Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. So happy, as always, you're tuning into the show. Great guest, as always, on today, Megan Hyatt Miller, the Chief Executive Officer at Michael Hyatt & Company, also the co-host of the Lead to Win podcast, which is consistently featured in the Top 100 in Apple podcast. She is the architect of Michael Hyatt & Company's standout culture. She's totally committed to helping her team win at work and succeed at life, which is what we talk a lot about here on this show because she's got a brand new book that she co-authored with her father, Michael Hyatt, who's been on this show. The book is called Win at Work and Succeed at Life, Five Principles to Free Yourself from the Cult of Overwork. And man, don't we overwork ourselves? I mean, this book examines the historical and the cultural forces that have led to what they call the cult of overwork. And they debunk this widely accepted premise that to be successful, you got to choose between career and family. Somebody has to sacrifice. And so I was very anxious to talk to her about that. Certainly, I've been a victim of that where my priorities were out of whack and I put too much emphasis on work, not enough on family, and it almost led to the dissolution of the family. So I really wanted to get her on the show and talk about this and how how do we debunk this premise that you've got to choose between career and family. And we talk about the double win, how to work in life, how it's a partnership, not opposition. Talk a little bit about how COVID changed their company for the better. They went to six-hour workdays, which led to more creativity because they put it under constraints. And when you're under constraints, it kind of forces you to be creative. So anyway, it's a really fun, value-packed conversation. I really appreciated having Megan on the show. Again, the book is called Win at Work, Succeed at Life. The show is brought to you by my longtime sponsor, Equity Bank. It's been so great having them sponsor this show. So many episodes, over 50 episodes here on Dose of Leadership. Equity Bank is a team that knows what it takes to start and grow a business. It's been exciting to watch them grow over the years. It's one of the fastest growing banks in the Midwest. They're listed on the NASDAQ exchange. they got locations all across Kansas as well as Oklahoma, Missouri, Arkansas. Clearly, this team knows how to lead for growth. Clearly, they understand entrepreneurship. Clearly, they understand what it means to be a leader in today's world. So if it feels like your current bank is more of a follower than a leader and you want to work with a bank that really understands your needs, go check out Equity Bank. Go to equitybank.com to learn more. And I really do appreciate you listening. If you haven't done so, please, I say this every time, but subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribing is free. It doesn't cost you anything. So it's almost like following me. So sometimes when people hear the word subscribe, they think they're paying for something. Look, this is free. This is my free access to me and all this leadership knowledge. And in return, if you could, if you are finding value in this, please go take the time to write a review on your favorite podcast application. And Apple Podcasts, they don't make it as simple, as intuitive as you think. But all you got to do is when you go to the podcast, little purple icon, open podcast, and go to the little magnifying glass, hit search, type in Dose of Leadership. When you find my artwork, click on it, and then scroll to the bottom, and it says a link there, write a review. It means the world to me, and it keeps me front and center with that algorithm for Apple Podcasts so people can find this show easy. 
And without your support, it wouldn't be possible. So I appreciate you being a listener of this show. Also, check out doseofleadership.com for all my leadership services, particularly with my Dose of Leadership University, which I've just opened the doors again for 50 new members to join in 2021. Taking applications now, you can learn more about how you can join an interactive and impactful community of like-minded leaders where we push each other to grow into the leaders that we were called to be. That's doseofleadership.com slash university to learn more. All right, let's get on with this great conversation with Megan Hyatt here on Dose of Leadership. Megan Hyatt-Miller on Dose of Leadership. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Richard. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I had your father on, gosh, I don't know, a year ago maybe? Really? No, I've been a, yeah, I've been a big follower of him hmm. as starting the podcast, kind of watching. And so it was exciting to see that you guys wrote a book together. Yeah, and, we're so excited. Um, man, this topic is huge. We were mm-hmm. talking in the pre-recording. I mean, I, it's certainly you know, getting trapped in the race. I certainly considered myself and still do fight it, the kind of the workaholic type thing. You know, I use yep. work a lot to justify my, mm. or I used to anyway, but it's easy to fall in the trap, justify my existence, get validation from work, yep. right? So, Absolutely. yeah. So what, what was the purpose? What was the purpose of writing the book? Yeah. So this book, it's called uh, Win at Work and Succeed at Life. Uh, what we have seen over the years in our own lives and with our clients is that Culturally, we're really presented with two options when we think about success, and one is called the hustle fallacy, and that's what we see in, you know, famously in people like Elon Musk, where they're sleeping on their couch in their office, you know, in the most extreme version. They've got a bunch of kids that they never see, and I think, you know, in a more real world context, this looks like telling yourself, you know, hey, I I just need to really focus for the next few weeks because I've got a big project, and so I'm going to miss dinner at home with the kids, or I'm not going to be able to do those date nights, or I'm going to have to work on vacation, you know, but it's okay because it's just this one time or it's just a few weeks or it's just the next six months after I just got promoted or I launched this business or whatever. And the sad part is what we see is that temporary easily and quickly becomes the new permanent. And what happens on the backside of that is a sacrifice of our health, our most important relationships, our spiritual lives, our impact outside of uh, work in the world at large. And oftentimes we just look back with regret, you know? So a lot of us have looked at that and said, Ugh, okay, I don't want that. Maybe that's how I grew up with my dad or whatever. And I don't want to repeat those mistakes. But then the flip side of that that we're offered is something that we call in the book, The Ambition Break. And that's where we say, okay, I don't want to make those compromises with my health and my most important relationships, et cetera. So I'm going to just throttle back my ambition. I guess I'm probably not going to reach my professional potential, but that's better than, you know, burning down all these other things that really matter to me. And my dad and I say in the book, you know, we don't really like either of those options, that those feel like an impossible choice between two bad options. And what we're (laughs) advocating for in this book is what we call the double win. And that is winning at work and succeeding at life. And we uh, not only believe that that's possible, but we've seen it in our own lives and in the lives of our 600 plus executive coaching clients. Yeah, I love love the idea. You can hear, I can hear the the skeptics, the Elon Musks of the world. There's right. a handful of entrepreneurs that I, that I know that would sit there and go, "No, that's impossible. You have to yep. to give up either or." Mm-hmm. And that that always didn't rest well with me. I remember sitting right. having a lunch with um, one of the entrepreneurs here, who started Residence Inn. He started that concept, the Residence mm-hmm. Inn hotels. Wow. 
And um, he's in his 80s now. But I remember maybe about five years ago, I was having lunch with him and talking about regrets. And it still weighs on him. He said, I regret yeah. the loss of my kids. I don't have a relationship with my kids. And the res- relationship I do have is extremely dysfunctional. And he goes, it's, mm-hmm. it's because I was so wrapped up in and but he he would say that he would be the guy to tell you that's impossible. You 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 can't have both. Yeah. You got to have either or. Yeah. So what does that look like to you? What is it? What does a double win look like for you personally as a professional? Yeah. On a day-to-day well, basis. You know, personally, what this looks like is um, establishing non-negotiables in my life. So uh, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit to the how. And in fact, before I do that, I should probably give some validation to this concept. So in the middle of the COVID pandemic, when all yeah. of us had our heads spin uh, more times than once, right? Um, just trying to figure out how do we uh, how do we make things work? What do we need to do to pivot, that great word that came out in 2020. And, (laughs) uh, you know, what we saw in our employees is that they were overwhelmed. You know, they had kids crawling all over them. We've been remote uh, working for quite some time, primarily coming in mostly for meetings. But what was new was kids were home, you know, people all of a sudden had no daycare, no school, you know, they were caring for aging parents, they were trying to do all these things without any help. And it was so overwhelming. And so we decided to do an experiment last year, and we cut our work week, or work day rather back to six hours a day from nine to three. And we said, this is like a purely out of desperation. We just have to do this for the sake of the mental health and emotional well-being of our employees if we're going to make it through this crisis and come out on the other side without collateral damage. And this is something I've been doing in my own life for years. Um, I have five kids, ages 20 to two, (laughs) and uh, (laughs) my younger three have special needs. And I knew when we adopted our younger, uh, our, our middle two, who are now 12 and 10, I'm going to have to be done at three if they're going to get the healing on the other side of this adoption that they need. And so um, that's kind of a, a whole other story. We can talk about that maybe later. So that was a f- familiar concept to me, but we rolled this out in our company. And the majority of our employees were able to do it. Uh, we're still at this point working on uh, making that possible for every single person on our team, some unique situations there. But here's what's amazing. We were able to beat our profit goal for the year by 50%. 50% in a pandemic year, working 25% less overall. And so my uh, my advocacy for this idea of the double win is not just kind of some warm and fuzzy, you know, work-life balance kind of thing that doesn't have any bearing with financial results. You know, we want you to have amazing financial results in your business, um, but we want you to do it in a way that's sustainable, where success uh, is defined in a way that you feel good about it once you've actually accomplished it, you know? So um, so that's just a little bit about what the devil whim has looked like in our company. I can talk about it personally a little bit if you'd like me to as well. Yeah, add on to that. Yeah, because yeah. I'd like to see how that works in your looks in your personal life. Yeah, so, you know, how I really approach this and how we guide our readers to do this in the Win at Work and Succeed at Life book is that we ask you to define your non-negotiables in three areas. So the premise is, you don't have time in your life for everything. That is not a, a revelation to right. most of us, right? We're faced with that reality mm-hmm. all the time. But you do have enough time for the things that matter most, both personally and professionally. And so we go through these in a hierarchical order. The first is self-care. What are your non-negotiables yeah. around self-care? And this is, again, this is not about some kind of like, you know, uh 
women's magazine cover, you know, story kind of thing. This is about <laughs> this is about performance. What is it going to take for you to perform personally and professionally at your best? So for me, that looks like a few things. Number one, and we talk about this a lot in the book, is sleep. Sleep is one of the mm-hmm. best performance tools you have. And in fact, the research from Stanford says if you're sleeping less than uh, six hours a night, uh, you are functionally intoxicated. Isn't that a sobering idea? I mean, yep. pun intended, right? But it, it's just, a, it's a crazy thing to imagine that many of us are running around on four or five, six hours, seven hours a night of sleep, and it's not enough. Right. So for me, eight hours, it's got to happen. I'm in bed at nine, I'm up at five. Uh, then it's very simple. I prioritize movement. So I exercise five days a week in the morning, do it at home. I don't have time to go to the gym. You know, I keep it simple. Um, and then I plan my food. 24 hours in advance. So in the morning, I write down my food for the whole day and I know what I'm going to eat so my blood sugar doesn't get low. So that's like the basics of self-care. We're not talking about stuff that's complicated, but we often think that's for, you don't have time for that. That's for another time. No, this is how you're going to perform at your best. If you care about your professional performance, if you care about sustainable success, then then self-care is the first area of non-negotiables. Um, the next one is relational. And I know, Richard, that you can relate to this. We talked about this a little bit before um, we started recording. And, you know, for me, I said uh, at the beginning, I'm a mom of five kids. Three of my kids have special needs. So that looks like uh, family dinners at night. It's not always fancy. Last night we grilled some chicken on the grill and had paper plates. It wasn't fancy, but we were all there. We <laughs> talked about our day. It was awesome. Uh, my husband and I do a date night on Tuesday nights and uh, we go to church on Sunday. You know, those for us are the relational non-negotiables that, you know, as my dad says, what gets scheduled gets done. So that's on my calendar, those self-care yeah. uh, non-negotiables, these relational non-negotiables. Um, and then the last one is professional results. So what are the professional results that I'm responsible for? Where do I add value in my organization or my company? And how can I prioritize the most high leverage uh, contributions that I make so that what the time that I am spending on work is really driving results? You know, and if you uh, identify the non-negotiables in those three areas, self-care, relational priorities and professional results, you're going to be well on your way to creating your own double win. Yeah, I like all of that. And particularly going back to the, the personal care piece. Yeah. And I used to shy away from that. Sure. And I'll just share my, my own story because I wanted to be that person that got up at 5.30 a.m., journaled, prayed, exercised, did more stuff before 7 a.m. than anybody else. And it was too overwhelming. And then I would stop. It's like kind of dieting or exercise. You know, sure. I want to run a marathon and then I try to run three miles and I can't even walk <laughs> a block. Right. right. So, right. And then you quit. Right. And so then I, then I, I backtrack and started incrementally small. And so that mm-hmm. self-care to your point, I'm adding on to what you said that we, we don't need to make it that difficult. Right. The self-care just be, began for me just with re- reflection. Don't pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. Just kind of sit there on the edge of the bed and think. Mm-hmm. And then start doing the gra- – I, I did a gratitude thing. I still do. It's awesome. And start with gratitude. And then maybe exercise, maybe not. Maybe journal, maybe not. But read something. Do something besides pick up that social media device and check my yeah. email or anything. So Don't important. think about work. Think about, like, what am I trying to do? And sometimes it's only five minutes. And I can tell you that that does a world of difference. That that mm-hmm. gives me sustainable, significant results more than yep. spending 10 minutes on my phone first thing. 
And so Absolutely. anyway, I, I wanted to add that. And so I agree with the self-care. The other thing I wanted to, to but I'm looking at these, I love the word non-negotiable. I think that's a great mm-hmm. way to look at it. Mm-hmm. And, and so saying what's non-negotiable, that's a non-negotiable for you. I'm not going to pick up my phone. I'm going to do this. Yep. And then, and then look at um, the relating time and seeing mm-hmm. how it's important because I was just so, I'm so full of, I call it a gnawing, right? I guess it's ambition. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that ambition, I think that gnawing is I got to be careful about what does that drive to achieve? What is that, you know, what's the meaning behind it? Yep. And when I finally asked myself the question, because I was telling myself I wanted to be successful. And when I started coaching people, I started asking this question, what does it mean to have a significant life? And what I, what I heard you say with all those kind of non-negotiables and that kind of those, those three tiers of, of what it looks like in your personal life to me, that's that's you intentionally answer, answering the question of what it means to have a significant Absolutely. life instead of a successful life. Yeah, and when yeah. You, and you look totally. at the significant things, then you'll see because everybody says when I've asked people like, well, what does a significant life look like? When I ask them what a successful life looks like, they always give me the, I want to be in the C-suite, I want to make this amount of money, I want to have a house right. on the beach, I want to whatever. But when I ask them what a significant life, they always go back to those things that you just mentioned. They start talking about their family and how they want their family to see yep. them and the legacy they want to leave behind and all those things. Mm-hmm. And so I think for the workaholics and the, and, and the ambition junkies out there, it's hard to say, what do you mean six hours focusing on your – that's yeah. crazy. But that constraint, and you talk about this in the book, that's what stuck out to me. That constraint of saying this is a non-negotiable makes me more focused on outcomes and I work on the stuff that's really meaningful. Because if you give me 12 hours to work on stuff, man, I'm going to go down rabbit holes and no maybe doubt. be effective. Having that constraint right. and having it focused. Yeah. That Anyway, I said a lot there, but th- those were some of the things I was thinking about when you were talking there. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's just Parkinson's law, you know, that work expands to the time available for its completion. And, right. you know, my dad says on the flip side that work contracts to the time permitted and permitted implies that we have control over setting the constraints and and defining the edges of that. You know, so for yes. me, as I kind of alluded to just a few minutes ago, this really was born out of the needs of my kids. Uh, our business was rapidly scaling, and my dad came to me and he said, "Hey, Megan, I want you to become the chief operating officer of the company. I'm now the CEO, but this was some years back." And and I said, "Oh gosh, that's that sounds amazing. I feel like I could totally." kill that, you know, I, I could really step up and, and make a difference. I said, but here's yeah, right. the thing. I've got these kids and they need me and I am not willing to sacrifice their healing process. As I mentioned, they're adopted. They've got, you know, some some tough history and they were mm-hmm. going to need my presence to heal. I knew as their mom. And so I said, here's what that's going to look like for me. I, I can deliver these results, but I can do it between the hours of nine to three. I won't be available after that. I'm not going to take meetings after that. I'm not available in the evenings for dinners and that kind of stuff regularly. Also, I really can't travel a lot because honestly, it's too overwhelming for my husband to keep at that time four kids. Uh, We've since adopted a new baby a couple years ago, Um, but it's just too much for him. He's an executive as well. It's just, it's asking too much. So, you know, are you okay with that? And he said, yeah, I care about the results. I don't really care about how you get there. And I think that's a real takeaway for this um, because what one, he knew the results were what mattered. So if you're a leader, if you're a boss, holding your people accountable for results, not time in the chair is critical for them to achieve the double win as well as yourself. Um, but the other thing is it, it totally worked. You know, over time we have been on the Inc. 5000 list of America's fastest growing companies for several years mm-hmm. in a row. Um, we're one of Inc.'s best places to work. There are only a few hundred of those in the country. 
Um, and this, this works, you know? And so for us establishing these edges on our day, and you may be thinking, gosh, nine to three sounds so extreme. And, and maybe that's not where you want or need to start, but maybe establishing some constraints around your workday that you're not going to pick your phone up and answer email until nine in the morning. And you're not going to uh, stay at the office past five, that that would be revolutionary. What that would mean to your, your spouse, to your children would be a game changer. Yeah, that's that's what I keep going back to is is when you put things on your calendar and you schedule those times. I did that intentionally too. It's like I'm only going to look at emails from this time yep. and nothing else. I'm not only yep. going to do this and scheduling it. It 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 does a world of difference because mm-hmm. I my ADHD mind. I'll just go down rabbit holes. I'll just I'll, <laughs> I'll always go to the shiny object. And so I got I got to put I got to put those constraints and I got to put it in the schedule and and be disciplined about it. I'm yep. I'm sitting there thinking. And I love all of this, and I agree with it 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at your life, I look at my professional life. I'm blessed that I have an airline job that gives me a tremendous amount of freedom and a steady paycheck, yep. you know, a healthy right. paycheck, and it allows yep. me to be entrepreneurial and this and that. You know, I talk to some of my friends and like, well, that all sounds great. You know, you can do all this. You've got some freedom and this and that. But what about those mm-hmm. people that are maybe in those mid-level management jobs and, yep. you know, they're constrained by – you know, they're working at, you know, say a large aircraft manufacturer mm-hmm. and, you know, they have meetings at 5.30 p.m. or they mm-hmm. have they have requirements for people to be there at 7.30 a.m. What do you say to that individual who says, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to grab control of my life, have these non-negotiables and I'm going to tell yeah. these people this is this is this is how my life is. What would you say to that person? Well, I think there's kind of two levels of this. So the first level is, is that um, I would try to sell your boss on this concept, maybe not necessarily yeah. nine to three, if that's not your culture, that may be too big of a jump. If you are in a position to consider a shorter work day or a shorter work week, there's a lot of great research on that. And it can really be a neat thing to consider, but it's not necessarily for everybody. Um, but you know, what we really want to do anytime, I'm sure you've had this experience many times, Richard, but when you're trying to sell somebody on something, you've got to do it from their perspective. So You've got to to sell them on the things that matter to them. And for most bosses, what they care about are operating results, right? That's what they're being held accountable to, um, you know, either uh, by their shareholders or the board or their their boss, whatever. And so that's what matters to them. So what you've got to do is, is communicate that this is a way for them to get more of what they want, more of your innovative thinking, more of your creative problem solving, more financial results. Um, and then you've, of course, got to deliver on that. And, and what's on you is figuring out, like I was talking about in the non-negotiables, how do you make sure that you schedule the professional results, time to work on the professional results that you're responsible for that really drive results? Because what happens is oftentimes those get pushed off and we never get to the most important things because we're not thinking about it in that way. So that's what I would recommend is to create kind of some talking points around how does this actually benefit the company? How is it a no brainer for the company to allow you to have these hard edges? You know, how can you talk about what's not going to change, what is going to change, but to the betterment of the company, you know, how you can be responsive, how they can get in touch with you um, in case of emergency. Because here's the thing, and this is it's kind of a hard reality. I feel like I get to be reminded of this every so often in my own life, but we get (laughs) what we tolerate, you know, and we we get what we tolerate. And at the end of the of your life, the choices that you made and the things that you tolerate are really going to amount to what your life was. And so should you find yourself in a situation where you have um, a boss or a manager who has just frankly abusive requirements of you, you know, they want you working 12 hours a day. um, They want you to be always on. They don't want you to take vacation. 
it really may be worth considering, is this something that's tenable long-term? Do you need to consider a transition plan to something that aligns more with your values and ultimately with what you want for your life? You know, I think that that, that may sound scary to say, but ultimately, you know, probably somebody listening right now is thinking, I've kind of known that in the back of my mind or in my heart yeah. for a while, that this is costing too much. And I need to look for something else and I need to have courage to do that. And that there are opportunities out there that align with values that are good for my family and good for a company. Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of the special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise, vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they've built one of the region's fastest growing banks by working side by side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, then I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Yeah, I love I love your answer. I agree with you. I think if I was trying to put myself in a position to give somebody guidance on that, it would yeah. certainly be in, in what you were saying there because it's like well, well it, this is an opportunity to take charge of your it's your life. It's your right? life. And I think selling it on look, you're going to get more out of me by letting me have some more flexibility here. You know, I'm not that effective with what's going on here. I've got life, right. I've got kids. Trust me, I'm not taking advantage. You know, it's it's one thing if you were taking advantage of, but that's what we want to talk sure. about there. We're assuming no. that this is somebody that is a high achiever and wants to, to, to produce results. You're right. right. And I think you'll be surprised. I, I've seen this and I know when I've given advice, you'd be surprised if you take charge and you ask, you know, mm-hmm. and you and you take a personal responsibility and accountability for delivering the results and just selling it. Say, this is, this is my life. This is what I'm doing. This isn't working. This is what I want. I think it can be a double win for us. I, th- I think that's a good, totally. instead of even saying win-win, use double win, you know, it's even mm-hmm. better than win-win. Yeah. This is a double win for both of us. Um, yeah. I think that, it t- and then if it, and if this person isn't not, I think this might be a, an opportunity to find something, you know, mm-hmm. because you only get one shot at this around this blue globe, you know, and so that's so true. I mean, our kids are only young once. I know not everybody listening has kids, you know, but maybe you're caring for aging parents or maybe you have other people mm-hmm. in your life that need you. You know, you have an impact to make outside of work that matters. And there's a lot at stake, you know, and those years, you just don't get those years back. So it is no. worth deeply considering this. And ultimately, this comes down to your vision for your life and bringing your your life and your choices into alignment around that vision. Yeah. And then 
answering that question, what does a significant life look like? And it's mm-hmm. like, it's a great, question. I don't want to have regrets. I don't want to have regrets about the right. time I spent with my kids, my aging parents, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. One thing that really perked my, att- or piqued my attention is when we talk about work-life balance in here. And mm-hmm. I'm one of those guys that says work-life balance is a myth. However, right. as I, as I went through it, I think I am definitely in line with what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. I tell people, I, I, I guess I get frustrated seeing people trying to balance, but the way you describe it mm-hmm. um, isn't in line with what I'm trying to say. And let me see if this resonates with you and it's in line with what you talk about in the book. When I see people trying to, to say, I got to have work-life balance, and particularly women, the women, when I yeah. look at my, my daughters, when I look at the women that I've worked with in, in the professional setting, and they were so stressed and they got kids and they got this and they got that, and, you know, and, and as you talk about in the book, you know, they go home, they're not really home. They're still doing work, right? Because mm-hmm. they got to balance all this and everything else. Yep. So I said, look, stop beating yourself up over this work-life balance myth. This is me talking. This isn't what you say in the book. I said, stop beating yourself up. It's a myth. Stop looking at it that way. And I call it a priority list. It's, it's about priorities. Make sure that what you're doing with, you know, your, pri- your priorities are in check. And what I meant mm-hmm. by that is sometimes you need to be at home taking care of this kid. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need to be at work a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I say about when, when I say work-life balance is a myth, it denotes this idea that everything's equal and we're doing like this and that. As I read what you talked yeah. about in the book, it sounded more like what I was talking about yeah. with it's a, it's life is about priorities. Just make mm-hmm. sure you're your energy is on the right priority at, at, at any given moment. Right. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it totally does. Yeah, we're not talking about some kind of rigid, exactly 50-50 balance, if you think about exactly. it you know, in a literal way. I love this quote by Amy Westervelt. She says, we expect women to work like they don't have children and raise children as if they don't work. And I think that's what you're talking <laughs> that's so about. beautiful. I mean, I've exactly. been there myself. I've felt that. And and the pressure does feel like that. It feels like work-life balance means that somehow magically the, the the folks we work with don't know that we have a family and the family never thinks that we have a job, you know, and that's not realistic at all. Mm-hmm. However, you know, what I think is really important about this idea of work-life balance is what we're really saying is work work is not the primary and only orientation of your yes. life. That there needs to be balance and understanding that there are actually 10 life domains of which your vocational life is only one. So they're spiritual, intellectual, emotional, physical, marital or relational, parental, social, vocational, avocational, Mm -hmm. and financial. I mean, that's a lot of areas to be mindful of and attentive to outside of work. And so what it means is, is that we're going to have to constrain our work if we are going to have a significant or a meaningful life outside of work. And that doesn't mean that our professional results have to suffer. It just means that the time has to be constrained. And those are really two very different um, concepts. And from our perspective, those constraints foster productivity, creativity, and of course, freedom. You know, that when you all of a sudden constrain something, there are ideas and innovations and solutions that become apparent to you that all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I never thought about it that way, but of course I could do it like that. Or what if I did it like that? And all of a sudden you figure out how to trim that time down and it does become possible, particularly if you're focused on where you really add the most value. 
Yeah, I like what you said. And I think the, the idea of the constraints, I think a lot of times we, and this ties into work life, this work-life balance idea, is that we think everything is supposed to be anxiety-free, stress-free. Right. The more planning that we do and the more detailed planning, then they'll make things smooth. Look, plan, I'm all for planning, I'm all for this, but I think sometimes we, we don't realize that the, these constraints, that I love how you talk about this in the book, when I read that in the book, it takes me back to what I firmly believe in is the fear and the anxiety, the uncertainty never goes away. It's always there. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you have to harness that anxiety. And it's like, does the anxiety have you or do you have it? Mm -hmm. And this is something I've learned from flying planes, being in the Marine Corps, you know, being Mm -hmm. that composed force in a chaotic situation, you have Mm -hmm. to harness that anxiety, but to harness that, to get effective, you have to know what you're trying to achieve like you know the whole beginning in mind what's the outcome you're working the outcome and that right and if you know what that is by clarity then you'll know which problems or anxiety things to harness right Mm -hmm. and then that's what i see about your constraints it allows me to harness the right anxiety yeah and then take steps towards this this outcome totally i think that's true and i think it's also just sort of allowing the tension between work and the rest of life to exist and that that tension is good. You know, that tension drives it's us exactly. to perform. It also makes sure we don't forget about the other things that really matter. And it's okay that they're in tension. We're not going to totally resolve it to your point where it's like we're not thinking about it. I mean, I feel like if you ever watch someone on a tightrope and they're balancing, you know, back in the days when there were like circuses, I don't even think mm-hmm. that's hardly a thing anymore, <laughs> right. you know. Right. But you watch them kind of like sway ever so slightly side to side. They're constantly adjusting a little bit here, a little bit there to so that the majority of their weight is in one place, you know, at one time in the middle. Um, so they're not falling on either side. And that's a really fascinating, I think, way of thinking about it. That's not not this super binary black and white. It's just these little micro adjustments that you, that you're making. But what's to me the the big idea there is you're awake to it. You're not sleepwalking, you're, or as yeah, my dad says, you're not drifting. Right. You're intentionally designing the life you that's want right. so that you can accomplish amazing things professionally. Again, we are in no way falling into that ambition break that I talked about earlier, where we are advocating for the double win. We really do want you to win at work and succeed at life. um, But we want you to be intentional about it and be designing your life so that you don't end up at a destination at the end that you wouldn't have chosen. Right. And you just kind of got there kind of wandering aimlessly almost, you know, like, oh, exactly. I ended up here. Whereas what you're talking about, by, by creating those constraints, that's what I love about it. Creating those constraints, mm-hmm. it actually produces more creativity, more focus, more intention. It's funny you bring up yep. the tight roping thing. I had Nick Willinda on my show a year or so oh, ago. Oh, really? Wow. And we were talking about that, that he says what you see up there, he says what people don't see are all those little micro adjustments with mm-hmm. his feet. Like his feet are just constantly... You know what I mean? It's like these all little – and it's the same. I thought about that when he said that. I thought, yeah, it's so true. And it's the same with flying a plane. Like you don't see it. But when you sit in it and when you're flying a plane and it's so smooth, I mean all – I mean I'm constantly with my – you fly with your fingertips really. And people don't – people think you're – you actually fly with your fingertips. And you just – you're constantly just doing all these little – so to get this like steady down this path, it's like a whole bunch of little, you know. Amazing. And that's kind of analogous to – you know, that's what makes a smooth pilot is someone that's just mm-hmm. kind of doing those little micro adjustments, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's the same with walking there. But I think that's the – going back to what you guys wrote in the book, those constraints actually – and it forces me to 
kind of define that objective of what I'm trying to do, which mm-hmm. if I become aligned and clear with that, then that's going to help me produce, be more creative, right? And be more productive in that Absolutely. six hour time frame. say, say six hours. Yeah. Right. That, that's how it's really possible. It's not magic. It's really that something no. opens up inside of you when you apply these constraints. I mean, it's just, it's just how the universe works, you know, that when you tighten up constraints, other things have to shift around to fit within those constraints. And the combination is different than it was before when you had 12 hours or more in your day. You know, um, one of the things that's interesting that happens when people starts to start to apply these constraints is now all of a sudden they have more time. And in some ways that can make people (laughs) uncomfortable, right? Like if you are a lifelong workaholic and now all of a sudden you have from five to nine o'clock in the afternoon or in the evening um, that is kind of undefined, what do you do with that? And that can feel a little unsettling to people. And so one of the things we talk about in the book is the incredible power of non-achievement. And so this is everything from, you know, spending time with your kids, your grandkids or friends um, to hobbies and hobbies. I mean, when you say hobbies to high achievers and to leaders, they're like, what is that? That's for like what we do after (laughs) retirement, right? You know, for people that don't have nearly the full list that I have right now. But what you find among high performers, you know, when this is studied, whether it's athletes or business professionals, is that they usually have some kind of a hobby And that is one of their keys to exceptional performance. Because uh, just like when you have constraints, you have innovation. When you have non-achievement, like for me, that's running, that's fishing, that's cooking, that's playing with my kids or kayaking. Our family is a lake house, so we do a lot of water stuff. Um, Oftentimes, that's when I have my very best ideas, right? It's like, we all know when we're in the shower, Mm -hmm. we're going to have our best ideas. This happened to me the other day. (laughs) I mean, I had some like brainstorm and I was like, of course, where, how do I get a whiteboard in the shower? You know? Um, but it, but it's really so powerful to think of hobbies like a performance driver. So how can you have hobbies in your life and think of that as not wasted time, but purposeful time that's going to enrich your performance later? Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think all the times the significant ideas that I've had of breakthroughs, I guess, yeah. have happened in my non-achievement activities. That's right. You're absolutely right. Every mm-hmm. single time. If I get stuck it's on so something, critical. I just need to go walk. You know, I live in a neighborhood where I have big, beautiful trees. Mm-hmm. And um, if I just go walk, it's like it shakes something loose, you know? And I think we yeah. undervalue that time. But if you really want to perform at a level you've never performed, you need a hobby. Um, my new hobby for this year, by the way, is I'm going to start piano lessons. So I'm really excited. I haven't taken piano lessons since I was like 10 or 11 years old. (laughs) And so that's going to be something (laughs) I'm going to do. I'm going to do it online so I can just kind of fit it in, you know, wherever, because I'm busy with all these kids and everything. Um, but I'm really excited and I, I'm partly doing that because I know that that kind of stimulation and creative activity is going to benefit me as a CEO. Not to mention it'll just be fun. Mine is, is drumming. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, wow. My drum set there. It's awesome. Love that. So my wife wife got that for me for my birthday last November, but How yeah, cool. I'll come down here and and um I've always wanted to 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 drum, right? And um did some drumming early on, but I've always said, "Oh, I don't got time this that." But now I was like, "Right." So now I'll come down here and spend an hour so and a half. So how has that enriched that. your life doing that? It's just it's like a I don't know, it's it's a stress reliever. It's just fun, you mm-hmm. know? It's just enjoyable. There's no like commitments because my mind does race, you know, from yeah. balancing you know, the job, the airline job is great. That it, and when I'm there, I'm, I'm, I know what to do, mm-hmm. but I've been doing it so long. And so it's, it, you know, there's, 
I can't be complacent, but I, I always have to stay on top of my game. Yeah. But I've been doing it so long, and it's 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 nice, and it gives me some free time. But the the entrepreneurial stuff is what really stresses me out, like trying to mm, to balance the podcast. Yeah. You know, and keep that growing, finding great guests, finding mm-hmm. new clients, servicing my existing clients. Yeah. You know, and finding new ones. All of that gets pretty pretty hectic. And so mm-hmm. to come down here and to, and to to do that and spend an hour learning, yeah. you can, it's almost like – I think you'll see this when you start taking pianos, particularly mm-hmm. as adults, right? As, yep. It's one thing if you're a kid. But you can it's, – it's almost like you can feel your brain rewiring. Yeah. And, and I don't know how to it, – it, you can feel it. I can because I'm, I'm trying to – you know, I got this great program too. You can hook up your laptop and hook oh, up cool. to the drum set and, you, and it can teach you, you know – even the fun, it's the fundamentals that I find the mm-hmm. most fun doing, right? I thought I was like, oh, I'll just turn on my iPod and, or my music and I'll play along with my favorite song. Uh-huh. But it's the fundamentals that it's like, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought. And I can feel my brain rewiring a little bit. Yeah. That makes sense. But it, I it feel feels like that when good. I, uh, yeah, I love that. When I fly fish, that's how I feel. So I've been fishing all my mm-hmm. life. But fly fishing, I've just taken up in the last couple of years and I haven't done it a ton yet, but I'm learning. And it's challenging. I mean, honestly, it's, it's a lot hard, to it. You know, it's a, lot, a lot to it. it. Yeah. It's a lot of coordination. I mean, you cannot think about anything else when you're doing that. And it's amazing. I love that. You know, it's like my brain is completely focused on fly fishing when I'm doing it, where time will just go by. I mean, I can think about how beautiful mm-hmm. it is. I can notice my breathing. I can, you know, enjoy the water, all that kind of stuff. But I, I can't be like anxious. You know, I can't, I can't be tangled up in some right. problem. And that is so rejuvenating, both as a, a person in general, but also as a leader. Yeah, it is. I, I like that you said rejuvenating. I think that's what happens to me when I do that. And I'll usually mm-hmm. do it at the end of the day. Nice. And then I've noticed a couple of times when I sit down and, I, and I'm laying in bed, and I'm just kind of reflecting. Um, I'll get little mini breakthroughs. I'm like, oh, that's what I'll, I'll contact this. Or like, how yep. about doing this? You know, I'll think of little things like that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of like a flushing of the brain, I think, when I do I that. I think so, too. Oh, that's so cool. Well, how? what are you seeing um, in terms of response to, to this this mindset, what's all in the book and everything out in the yeah. book? Any response? Any, it's been any amazing. examples? Yeah. You know, what, what's been really neat is that this is something we've been working on with our clients. So we have a coaching program for uh, business owners and executives called Business Accelerator. It's a group coaching program. They come in quarterly. Yep. So, uh, we have about 600 clients. So we've been working with our clients on this. This is really the end game for us. We want to have accelerated business results for them, but we also want them to have a life that they love, that they feel great about. You know, they don't have regrets. And so... Um, you know, I can think about one of our clients, Stormy, who she lives in Texas. She has a big steel business. Um, and, you know, she came to, she's about my age. I'm uh, 41 this year. And she was stressed out. You know, she had kids. She had um, all these business challenges. Her business was exploding. I mean, just absolutely exploding. And she wasn't seeing her kids enough. You know, the business is doing great. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't. She didn't have time for her kids like she wanted, and they yeah. were young, and she didn't have time for her husband like she wanted, and she, you know, she wasn't sleeping enough, all that kind of stuff. And she has absolutely figured this out. She has figured out how to really define success on her own terms to come up with her non-negotiables. And now her business is totally killing it, even in the worst um, oil market, which is you know that's primarily who she serves uh, since two thousand and eight. Uh, her business is doing really well. Her family is doing really well. She said, um, we recently did some 
interviews with her and she said, I feel like I got my life back. You know, I feel like yeah. I got my life back. And that's really what we want for the readers of this book, Win at Work and Succeed at Life. We want you to get your life back. We want you to know that there is a third option for you that is not making these terrible compromises you know, with everything outside of work or sacrificing your professional potential that you really can have both. You just have to do it differently. You have to think about it differently and do it intentionally. And, you know, for for me, I feel like there's nothing more rewarding than hearing somebody say, my business is doing great and I got my life back. That's that's what we want for people. I love that. Yeah, I think getting the life back is is really what, that's kind of what resonated with me after I read the book. But yeah, this mm-hmm. is about getting your life back. And it's not Pollyannish. I think that's what I no, really appreciate about the book. That is that sometimes so many of these books where these people come out and it's maybe implicitly it's like it's you know, everything's gonna be better. I mean that's why self help books and leadership books, right. there's so many of them, right? Mm-hmm. But this isn't Pollyannish. It's it's about the intentionality and in doing the work. Yep. But it lays the it lays the the groundwork, the map, if you will, the steps to kind of get intentional about getting it back. I love yeah, that you guys very- did that. It's very practical. And, you know, we're serious Mm -hmm. about business results. So this is not a book that is going to just guilt trip you into not working so much and all the reasons why the rest of your life is important. Certainly, we're going to talk to you about why the rest of your life is important. But we are not okay if that means that you compromise your business results, because we know that's not the real world. You know, that that's not... Um, that's not we want what we want for our lives and our business. That's not what you want. And so it's really a book for serious achievers who feel like they are out of balance and they don't like it and they know there's got to be a better way. They just don't know what that way is. Um, I really think we've we've figured this out in a way that's very practical. It's very actionable and it prioritizes business results alongside the results in the rest of your personal life. So that's what I, I agree. like. And I, th- I like it too. And I think it, it helps overworkers or overachievers like myself, you know, reminding us why, why we do it. I think a lot of times I know, at least for me in coaching men, yes. you know, that it it is understanding that why are you doing this? And I think yep. if you can get honest with yourself, I know this was for mm-hmm. me, like I was seeking some sort of validation and that's the big lie and the big myth that I think that yep. we, we get our self-worth based on what we achieve and what other people think of us. That is the mm-hmm. big lie that I think the it vast is. majority of us fall into. Yeah. And we have to get our self-worth somewhere else. We cannot get it through the things we accomplish and what other people think. We have mm-hmm. to find a way to, mm-hmm. to, to feed that self-worth some other healthy way. And yeah. that is getting in alignment with those significant life things like your family mm-hmm. and the, non, the, the, the non-achieving things, you know, and, and like I said, the big, 10 things that you talked about there. The, right, right. The, the There's a lot. That we feed into. There's a lot. Well, it's interesting because we, uh, we've really seen with our clients and in ourselves, you know, it's like we're our own best case study, um, that there are good reasons why people overwork. And it's not just selfishness or like raw ambition. I mean, there's good reasons. Like work is fun. You know, it that's really, right. it, that's most of us who are high achievers, we really like our work. I mean, I hear from people all the time who are skeptics about this. Yeah, but for me, work isn't work. Like, that's really fun. And I get that. I mean, it is fun. Imagine how much more fun it could be if it were constrained and you got even better results and you loved your life exactly. outside of work. You know? That's the way but, to look at it. Right. right. But I get that. The other thing is it's hard. And man, I mean, I have, you know, I have had and still have some young kids in my group of five here. And one of the things that's challenging about things outside of work is that um, they're harder to define. The wins are harder to come by. It's a long game, especially if you're a parent. 
And sometimes it's easier, that sense of accomplishment that is a basic human need, there's nothing wrong with it, it's good, as long as it remains like appropriately dialed in, you know? Um, but sometimes yep. it can be hard because we don't get that at home. You know, I know some days when I'm tired, when I, when I need to go home and be with my two-year-old daughter, who she's at that age where literally you turn your back and she's on the kitchen table like swinging or something, <laughs> right. you know, she's so right. busy. And the rest of my kids are not at that stage, thankfully, so it's only one at a time on that one. But, um, you know, that that's draining and awesome. And so I have to like be intentional about saying to myself, I know that this is exhausting, partly because, you know, I'm not as young as I was with my other kids when she's this age, but mm -hmm. also it's really important. And so I think that's one of the things, sometimes we're avoiding that kind of squishy, um, hard to define win space in our personal life. And it's just important to be honest about that, that those are different and you get something different out of those and it's okay, you know? And I think sometimes, we kind of are in denial about that or we feel badly about it. We feel shame about it. And so then we avoid it even more. You know, we put it off even no, more. No, I agree with you. That's well put. I mean, but that's how I got out of balance, yeah. you know, in, in my 30s is that, you know, when I was forced in the corporate arena because I lost, I got laid off after 9-11 on my, my mm. airline job and I, I had to reinvent myself in the corporate arena. But I was, I was trying to fill up that void and it was fun and I was successful right. at work and people right. were telling me how great I was and people were like, right. you're an up, you're a high performer and, and things were happening. And then I go home and, you know, we had some challenging kid and this or that, and yep. I didn't know how to fix it. You know, there's a whole different conversation, but I was looking at it the totally. wrong way. Been there. Right. And, yeah. and, and I wasn't getting the immediate satisfaction. Like, so yeah, where am I going to be drawn? I'm going to be drawn to where I'm getting the immediate gratification gratification telling me how great it is in, at home yeah. is the long game, right? But right. you got to have that, you got to have that, as you put that, that right perspective mm -hmm. and realize what you're doing is right. And so anyway, I, the book is great. Uh, I love you. it. When at work and succeed at life. Great job. I'm a big fan of, of Thanks, Richard. what you guys do. Again, I've been following uh, the growth of your guys' business. It's funny, you know, been doing this eight years and I just remember how mm -hmm. different uh, your father's business was. you got your your guys' business eight years ago, how different yeah. it was and how it is. It's really and evolved. It's just been fun. It's fun to see how it's evolved. It's been really mm -hmm. cool. As, as we wrap up here, is there anything that we didn't cover that, you, that you'd hoped we'd, we'd get across in this conversation? Any kind of oh, last thoughts that, that we missed? What a great conversation. Now, I feel like we've really, um, we've covered the big things. And, you know, I just love for your listeners to know that there are so many practical tools in the book to, if you're thinking, this sounds great, but I'm not sure how to do it for myself. Don't worry, we walk you through a process in the book where you really design your own double win. That's part of uh, what we do. We're all about practical tools in our, our business. Um, so you're going to be able to do that in the book. And in fact, we have some neat bonuses for uh, your listeners. If they just go to winandsucceedbook.com slash leadership. So winandsucceedbook.com slash leadership. When they buy the book, uh, they can go there and they can redeem their receipt for some great bonuses to actually even make that easier to design their double win. So um, I just want to encourage you to check out the book to to have a sense of possibility about this could this could be true for you. And what would that mean? You know, I've, yeah. I'm just so excited as we are out talking about this book, what this message means for people's lives and especially for their futures. That's great. So exciting. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. How can people get in touch with you and, yeah. and learn more about you and your business? 
Thank you. So best place would be at our website, uh, michaelhyatt.com. Uh, we also have information on our podcast, which is called Lead to Win There. So that's probably the best way to keep up with us. I'm really not on social media very much because for me that um, takes away too much time from the things that are the most <laughs> important. So right. our website is the best way to find me. Awesome. Megan, thanks for coming on the show. It's really fun. Looking forward to staying in touch. Thanks, Richard. It's been great. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dose of Leadership brings to your world. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we work together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.